it. Hide it in your heart. That way, when you regurgitate it and it comes back up, you actually practice what it says. We find here in Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 8 something practical that we can take home with us, that we can digest any time, and it's simply this. In verse 1, we begin reading. It says, All that, all the commandments which I have commanded these this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go and possess the land in which the Lord swore unto your fathers. Of course, this is the children of Israel. This is the time where they're getting ready to go into the promised land. God has met with them. God has taken care of them. God has protected them. But they're just like you and me. And we continue reading. It says, And thou shalt remember all the ways in which the Lord, Lord thy God hath led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee. Boy, sometimes in life, don't we need that? We don't like that, do we? We don't like to be humbled. We don't like to be told that we're wrong. A pastor would say this. He's like, every now and then, everybody needs to hear the word no. He's like, because it puts us or reminds us of our place in which we should be in. We continue reading. It says, to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandment or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. Right there. That literally is the first Uber Eats that the Bible ever talks about. God literally provided for them. And then we continue reading. <clears throat> it says, And fed thee with manna which thou knowest not, neither did the Father know that he might make <clears throat> thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. Tonight, I want to talk to you about this matter that the children of Israel had. They knew God. They knew who he was. He had provided for them. He had taken care of their enemies. He has done a lot for them. But now they find themselves on the banks of the Jordan River. They find themselves afraid of what's going to be on the other side. And now we find Moses being their leader that God has placed them, placed in their lives, reminding them of what God has done. And he said, if that God has taken, if God has taken care of us this far, God will take care of us the rest of the way. Most of us, you're running your race. You're doing what you think or you know is best. Can I tell you this? Oftentimes I travel and we make this thing of God's will, this mysterious thing that lurks out there. God's will is simply you doing what God wants you to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. If you do what God wants you to do on a daily basis, you won't have any problems. But can I tell you this? We find the children of Israel doing what God wants them to do, and yet they still got discouraged. And you, in my life, we can be doing what we're supposed to be doing. We can be serving God. We can be serving God. We can be doing what we're supposed to be doing. We even can be seeing souls saved. But every now and then, it's human nature that sets in. And if we're not careful, discouragement can take over. And discouragement can not only affect our outside, it can affect our inside. 
it can affect the way that we walk, affect the way that we talk. You ever seen somebody or had somebody walk up to you and they said, hey, are you okay today? Why? Because there's something different that affects not even your countenance, but affects your attitude and the way that you interact with people. Tonight I want to talk to you about discouragement. Oftentimes in the Bible, we find people that are down. We find people that are discouraged. Oh, I don't believe that there's anywhere in the Bible where you can point to and you can say that it's necessarily sin to be down. But I do believe that it is a sign of weakness to stay there. When you stay there, depression begins to set in. When you stay there, it begins to pull you away from fellowship. You ever notice somebody, it seemed like, boy, they were doing good, they were doing excellent, and because of a situation in their life, it has now pulled them out of church. It's pulled them out of gatherings. They become recluse. They don't want anything to do with anybody. They're not rebellious. They're simply just in a state of discomfortment. And now they're discouraged. And sometimes when you're discouraged, you simply don't know how to get out. Sometimes people can say they're praying for you, but it really doesn't do very much. Oh, it brings a little bit of comfort for them to know that, yes, you are praying, and we appreciate it. But tonight, let me ask you this. What do you do when discouragement hits you? When you have news that you don't like hearing and you're a little down, what do you do to get yourself back up? One of the things that I tell and I encourage people is you need to know yourself better than anybody else knows you. You need to know what makes you happy. You need to know what makes you sad. You need to know what Bible verse encourages you. That way when the devil does show up at your doorstep, you can do the same thing when he showed up to Jesus. You can rebuke him with scripture. Most of us, we have a sin that easily besets us. What's your Bible verse whenever that sin shows up? Whenever that sin tempts you? Whenever that sin wants to get you down and get you into discouragement? Tonight, I want to talk to you about this matter of simply, if you could title the sermon, it would be how to rebound quickly or simply how to get up. Heavenly Father, we sure do thank you. Lord God, we thank you for being a God that lays it pretty straight for us. Lord God, you even give us a story, you give us examples. But Heavenly Father, if we don't apply them to our heart, even on a daily basis, Lord God, it would be for naught. Heavenly Father, tonight, oh, may you empower me, may you empower <clears throat> those to listen. Lord God, may it, when it all be said and done, we walk through those doors in the back. If you speak to our hearts, Lord God, please help us to be teachable enough to respond. We sure do thank you, and we love you. Amen. I had an opportunity to go to a summer camp probably about three or four years ago in Georgia. When I was there at this camp, <clears throat> it was probably a Thursday. The camp had been going throughout the week. One of the, uh, the ladies came, and she said, Brother Jackson, can we, can we talk? So sure, when well, we sat down there in the, the camp cafeteria that they had, 
And she said, Brother Jackson, she said, my pastor has already said that I can talk to you about this. And I said, sure. What can I, what can we do? She said, Brother Jackson, she said, uh, she said, Brother Jackson, you know my son. She said, my son, she said, Brother Jackson, my, <clears throat> my son is not serving God in the way that we want him to serve God. She said, Brother Jackson, boy, tears begin to flow down her face. She said, Brother Jackson, my son is now blaming me. Now I'm blaming his dad. Now I'm blaming our family for the shortcomings that he has in life. Not blaming us for protecting him. Not blaming us for allowing him to <laughs> sow his worlds and to do everything and how he missed out on life on everything. She said, Brother Jackson, I've tried to, <clears throat> to do the right thing. She's like, Brother Jackson, I tried to raise him. She's like, did I do something wrong? I said, let me, let me stop you there. I said, <clears throat> when you were raising him, I was like, now there's no perfect parent. I was like, but when you were raising him, were you trying to do the right thing? She's like, every single day we would pray for him. She's like, we would try to do the right thing. She's like, we walked and talked with God, and she's like, God led us. I said, well, let me remind you of something. I was like, you walked your son up to the point where it's time for him to decide which way he's going to go. I was like, is he going to go down the old paths, or is he going to blaze a new path? And I was like, now, it seems like he's blazed a new path. I was like, but let it be said of mom, that mom is always where she's supposed to be, no matter what. Every single time that baby sees you, that baby sees a godly mom in a godly church serving the same way when he left. I said, sometimes you're going to feel down. You're going to feel discouraged. But get back up. I was like, don't let it take you away from the church. Don't let it take you away from anything. I was like, it's, don't let your son discourage you because he wants somebody else to be miserable like him. Because miserably, miserable people love company. So she took it and said a few other things, just trying to encourage her. The next uh, year went by. I find myself there at the camp again. Now I'm setting up everything. And as I'm setting up everything, they're like, hey, Brother Jamie, Brother Jamie, did you see Sister So-and-so? We're in the South. We use the brother, we use the sister religiously. It's like, did you see Sister So-and-so? I'm like, no, I haven't seen her. I'm like, oh, she's looking for you. Then somebody else like, hey, brother, did you see Sister So-and-so? She's looking for you. I'm like, brother, I haven't seen her, but apparently she's really looking for me. Then all of a sudden, boy, I come outside and I'm walking across the field. And I hear, Brother Jamie, Brother Jamie, oh! She had a skirt on and she couldn't run very fast in the skirt. All of a sudden she hiked it up. Boy, she's running across the field. I'm like, whoa, sister, slow, slow it down. I'm not going anywhere. I was like, we're good. She came running up to me. She's like, you probably don't remember the conversation we had last year. I was like, I'm, I, I think I, I probably do remember. She's like, it was about my son. I said, absolutely. She's like, remember <clears throat> that you said, no matter what, don't let it take me out of church. Don't let it discourage me. She said, one day, she's like, I was feeling down. She's like, I was feeling down. I was feeling bad. She's like, my son called me. She's like, <clears throat> and he told me that, uh, you know, he'd be praying for me. She said, it kind of went out, went in one ear, out the other. She's like, God doesn't hear his prayers and what he's doing. But she said, that wasn't the point. She said that, she's like, during that time, she's like, Boy, I just wanted to skip church 
maybe that's that Wednesday night. She said, but then you said, hey, don't let it take you out of church. And she said, Brother Jackson, she said, literally, she's like, I went into the church. And she said, I didn't feel like being there. She's like, when I got in there, I, I sat down, and the preacher eventually got to the point where he was preaching, and he started preaching. And she said, literally, it was like 15 minutes later that the preacher said, hey, will you go ahead and come to the piano? She's like, Lord, I really am sick. The preacher just preached for 15 minutes. She was like, he's a little long-winded. He's like, and here he is for 15 minutes. But she said, but here's what was happening behind the scenes. She said, my son showed up to the house because he just wanted to be a blessing to his mom. And she showed up with my favorite soup. And when, she went, when he went there, he said, oh, man, mom must be really sick. So he went into the house. And, boy, he turned on the lights. And he didn't find his mom there. And he came back out. And when he came back out, <clears throat> he still had the bowl. And his wife looked at him and was like, honey, I thought you were supposed to take that to your mom. And he said, yes, I am. She's like, well, we're at the house. What are you doing? He said, I'm taking it to my mom. I just realized it's Wednesday, and I'm going to deliver it to her at church. He said when he made his way to the church there, boy, he felt under conviction. Boy, this, remember how you used to be there? Remember how you used to serve God? Remember what he did for you? He said by the time he got into the church, Boy, he sat down, and the preacher had two more points. And then, literally, the preacher went to the altar. He said, boy, his heart began to beat out of his chest, and he began to make his way down the aisle. Now, back to the mom's <clears throat> part. The mom said she was there, and she was just playing the piano. And then, all of a sudden, boy, she looked up. And he said, all this time I've been praying. All this time I've been asking God. All this time I've been just on his face fasting. And little did I know, here's my son. He's walking down the aisle. She's like, Brother Jamie, she's like, I wish I can tell you that I was playing the piano, but I literally say, Lord Jesus, you're going to have to take the piano because I can't see anything. She's like, I got snot and boogers just running all over the place. She's like, I'm praying. She's like, because this was the time that I've been waiting for forever. She's like, then all of a sudden the pastor stopped me and said, I want you to come over here. She's like, oh, my mascara. Oh, oh. She said, I walked over there. Before I can get there, my son stopped me and said, Mom, I just want to, in front of everybody, tell you I'm sorry. He said, but Mom, because you didn't change and Dad didn't change, every time I showed up to the house, boy, I realized this is where I should be. This is what I should be doing. And boy, what did she do? She got encouraged because she kept going on what encouraged her the whole time. Oftentimes, if we're not careful, the one thing that can help us is the thing that we pull ourselves away from. You ever feel down? You feel discouraged? What's the first thing you cut out? Or think about cutting out church. Oh, we'll show up to work sick, won't we? Not COVID. But we show up to work sick. And then all of a sudden, we're a little bit too tired to show up to church. Can I tell you this? In life, things like this will happen. But it doesn't have to keep us down. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter, 7, or 1 Samuel chapter 30. For the sake of time, 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for people spake of stoning him. I bet you you would be. I know I would be 
greatly distressed and people surrounded me with big heavy stones wanting to dim my light forever, being angry and stoning me. It says, for the people spoke of stoning him because the souls of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Can you imagine? Oftentimes when I read the Bible, I put myself in into the picture. Like, how would I do? What would I do? How would I respond? Or simply, well, I try to imagine what's going on here. I can only imagine these people, boy, they're ready to do harm to David. And then all of a sudden, boy, David being in distress, he remembers, boy, who's in charge? Who remembers who's on a throne? Who remembers who's guided his life before? How he killed the giant? How he had been successful? And then all of a sudden, boy, he begins to laugh because he begins to realize how small his enemy really is and how big his God really is. And he begins to encourage himself. Oftentimes in life, we have sorrows. We have bereavements. We have trials. We have tribulations. But I'm here tonight to tell you that they are just a small little molehill compared to our God. Oh, we serve a God who's big and mighty. Oh, the Bible calls him the king of kings. He's the king of the Jews. He's not only the king of the Jews, he's the king of the Gentiles. Oh, he's never been conquered. Oh, he's undefeated. He's the champion of champions. Oh, they used to say, when they used to have the Bible and you used to write it out, his name was like no other name. Oh, when they got to name the name of the Lord or Jehovah or anything, boy, they weren't worthy to write it with an ink. That with a pen that they wrote the or they wrote any other name, they had to get a new one. They had to get a new one and a new feather. Boy, they were dipping into the new ink just to write his name. Why? Because he's special. That same Lord meets all of our needs at the same time. Hard for me to meet my need now. And he meets all of our needs at the same time. But oftentimes, boy, that trial seems pretty big. That bereavement seems overwhelming. But yet, we see Moses telling the children of Israel, who, by the way, their problems did seem big. Their problems did seem overwhelming. But we find him telling them to encourage themselves. Hey, remember what God has done? Boy, oftentimes, I tell this as an example. It's like encouraging himself. Ladies, you're pretty good sometimes at encouraging yourself. You're like, honey, listen, I walked into the store, and when I walked into the store, I was feeling pretty down. But then all of a sudden, there was that perfect dress. It was my size. Honey, it, 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 weighed a, it, 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 it did cost a little bit, but, you know, nothing's perfect. But God put it there for me, so I bought it, and now I'm so happy. And guys are the same way. We're like, honey, listen. When I went into the store, I was like, Lord, I won't buy anything unless it's that perfect gun. Oh, you know that gun that I've been looking at this whole time? Oh, the gun that I've been drooling about. Honey, look, it's right there. God put it in a glass case. I mean, the only thing else we're left for God to do is to write my name on it. And literally, the guy said that he can engrave my name on it. It's absolutely perfect. I am so encouraged. But that's not what God's talking about here when he's talking about encouraging ourselves, even though it does work, but it's only temporary. He's Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2 
says, Remember in all the ways in which thy Lord, thy God, hath led thee. Recently I had an eight-day revival. In the eight-day revival, <clears throat> the pastor's son, we'd work every single day on some basketball stuff. He was coming from a point where he had no background. He just had bad habits. And all of a sudden, I'm working with him. And I begin to show him some different things. And at first, his pride stood. He's like, well, that's uncomfortable. Well, I don't like this. I don't like that. I was like, well, you can just stay the way that you want to. And you can be laughed at at everybody else. Or you can be teachable. And boy, he got to the point where he said, okay, I don't want to do it my way. Then all of a sudden, I showed him some better techniques. Some guys walked into the gym because they could hear the ball bouncing. And boy, they could hear the ball bouncing, we came. Then all of a sudden, boy, we got involved in a three-on-two, where it was me and the pastor's son against these three guys. And boy, he started hitting shots, and even the guys started complimenting him, like, man, this, this kid can shoot. And then all of a sudden, boy, he started missing. And boy, I said, hey, can you give me a second, guys? I was like, you're getting tired. Now your weaknesses are beginning to show. I was like, get that hand back up. Get those eyes level. Uh, get those elbows level with that eye again. Put that uh, wrist in the basket. Go back to the fundamentals. Then all of a sudden, the next shot, boom, he made it all net. He just looked at me and pointed. Sometimes in life, we simply have to get back to the fundamentals. Oh, it's amazing how we trusted God with salvation but that's the most trust that we've put in God since we got saved. That's just the beginning of the Christian life. How dare us just say, hey, Lord God, I want to trust you with my life. Lord God, I want you to save me. Now I can do whatever I want to do. And we wonder why discouragement and things get upon us. Oftentimes in the Christian life, we must realize that we're no different than the children of Israel. See, the children of Israel, they were, they were promised the promised land. Oh, I can only imagine as they were there, boy, on the Jordan River. Boy, as they could see that their mind began to, to come back when they saw new problems. Yes, they see new land, but they also see different opportunity. Moses has led them there, and they're excited. But is Joshua going to do the same thing? Is Joshua going to be as close to God as what Moses was? They had 600, over 600 different commandments or rules that God had for them while they were in the wilderness for that 40 years. You say, why in the world would God do that? God wasn't just looking at now. God was looking at them in the promised land. He said, you've been with Egypt. You, uh, you've been with people that, and you've had cultures that you have no business having. Boy, you started having habits that you have no business doing that I didn't intend for you to do. And boy, he was simply trying to shake it off that way they would be ready for the promised land. We find the children of Israel being just like us. Sometimes God's put rules upon us. Thou shalt go out and do this or do that. Boy, I'll have people all the time. Well, tell me where it's in the Bible. Oftentimes I tell them this. If you have to say that, I was like, you're not in the right headspace. I was like, if you have to say, well, show me in the Bible where that's wrong. I said, well, you show me in the Bible where you're right. I was like, I'm not looking to get further away. I'm looking to get closer to my God. 
I like most of the time, we know about alcohol, we know about all these different things, but can I tell you this? Boy, our doubt can also be of sin because whatever, <clears throat> what the Bible talks about faith, what's not done by faith, that's of sin. Obviously, that's a paraphrase there, but what I'm trying to get you to say is the children of Israel, you've got to realize they're not going to have any more pillars of clouds to lead them. To protect them. They're not going to have manna from heaven that's literally delivered to them. They're not going to have the pillar of fire to guide them anymore. I can understand why concern would be coming to them. Just like I can understand in some of our lives why we're concerned about different matters. But can I tell you this? We also find the children of Israel... When they did get discouraged, and you can say point number one, it would be this. When they got discouraged about the present, they looked what God did in the past. Moses was saying, hey, remember that God that taking care of you? Remember that God that did keep you cool? Remember that God that did keep you warm? Remember how you cross, boy, on dry land? Remember how God himself, boy, not only held up a stick, told God's men to hold up a stick, and he parted the water. See, you must understand what happened there. God gave the children of Israel the first aquarium. Boy, they were walking through on both sides. Boy, they could look and see the fish and see everything that was going there. But one thing that they didn't understand is, boy, the enemy was now walking through on dry ground. And it seemed like God was blessing the enemy until God decided the time was right, and he collapsed things. Boy, he was saying, remember the children of Israel, how God had taken care of you, how God had met your needs. Hey, if God is no respecter of individuals, if God is the same today as he was yesterday, hey, then that God can still meet your needs. That God can still help you. He can still comfort you like nobody else can comfort you. You simply have to put your trust back inside the source again. Remember, children of Israel, where that rod was used to heal the people that were bitten by the serpent. I don't know about you. I don't necessarily have a fear for snakes, but I don't want to be in a room with one. I treat all the snakes the same. If I see you, you're dead. Well, it's a black snake. Well, it's going to be a black dead snake. Cannot that same God that took care of the children of Israel take care of you? Boy, cannot that same God, that older or our senior senior saints, not that same God with that individual named Caleb, boy, he realized what God had did for him and how big his God was and how God could use him even in the state that he was. And all of a sudden he made those famous words, hey, I want that mountain. Hey, nothing's too big for my God. Hey, it hasn't been conquered yet, but it's about to be conquered and I'm about to put Jesus' flag on the top. Why? Because he's a big and he's a mighty God. Hey, can I tell you this? That same God that Caleb served is the same God that you and I serve. The same God that bled for him is the same God that bled for you and for me. Hey, don't let your trials get you down, even though it can get you discouraged, but you must realize how big God is. You must realize how powerful God is. Maybe that's why your prayers don't get answered, because you think your God is this big. I don't know about you, but my God is bigger than your God, apparently. My God's so big, I can't describe him. 
It hurts my brain. How can you be the alpha and the omega? How can you be there for the beginning? Where are we at in the equation? And where is the end? What's going to happen at the end? I mean, we read Revelation, but what happens after that? And it hurts. It hurts our brain to think. That's why he's God. God's not just thinking about now. God's thinking about the long term. Can I tell you? Not only do I see what God has done in the past. I use those truths to help me for the future. They had a preacher who <clears throat> was just diagnosed with stage four cancer. It was bad. It was aggressive. He went from being 200 and something pounds to, I think he was like 140, 150. He had dropped a ton of weight in a very short period of time. They were having a big, huge conference, fellowship for pastors. All of a sudden, <clears throat> it was always a thing there where this preacher would get up and he would sing. And he would sing this certain song. But that year, no one would sing the song because it was his song. All of a sudden, the doctors told him that he didn't need to be in fellowships. He didn't need to be in anything because it would shorten his lifespan. He said, Doc, you're not going to threaten me with heaven. He's like, if the best thing that ever happened to me was dying in God's house, there's no better place for me to go home. Amen. All of a sudden, they said this pastor came in a little bit late. He tried to keep himself distance. Um, one of the <clears throat> song leaders came down and he said, brother, I know this is much. He said, but everybody was just wondering, can you sing for us just one more time? He said, I was praying that I would get the opportunity. He, said, he made his way up, and he made his way up. He, he whispered to the, the choir what God had put upon his heart. And boy, he came there, and all of a sudden, he motioned to the pianist, and the piano begins to sing. And he sung this song. He said, once I drifted out in sin, had no hope, no peace within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. He said, but then my Savior came along, and he showed me I was wrong, and he placed me on the winning side. And boy, he began to bell out, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Boy, you should have saw the people in there. Boy, they went to rejoicing because they knew this man was eat up with cancer. He's about to see the Lord. He's about to see him in all of his glory. And what was this man doing? He was remembering what God had promised him in the past, and he was relying on that to take him to the future. Boy, he, he started singing in uh, uh, verse number two. He said, now I will never have a fear, for my Lord is ever near. And he began to choke up, and he said, and I am him, so often I can sigh. He said, he's my keeper of my soul since I gave him full control. And now I'm on the winning side. And he began to sing it one more time. And he had everybody else join in with him. I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. Out in sin, no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight. 
for the cause of truth and right. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm on the winning side. Just a few weeks later, he went home to glory. When he went home to glory, the song that they kept singing in his funeral was, yes, I'm on the winning side. Why? Boy, that was a testament of his life. Boy, he was looking forward to seeing his Savior. The more that he knew about him, the more he couldn't wait for that opportunity. And all of a sudden, when he was standing up in front of everybody, and literally he was on Jordan's banks, boy, staring off into heaven, boy, he had that comfort of knowing when it's all said and done, it'll be worth it all. Because he never gave up. Because he's on the winning side. Not only do I look back at the past, look at what God's done in the past, I take my burdens to the Lord. Oftentimes when we get in ourselves, we get in ourselves. We don't call out anymore. We don't ask for help anymore. We have a Savior that loves us. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. But he also asks us in a matter of prayer, to let him know. Psalms chapter 55 and verse 22 says, Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Not only do I do that, thirdly, I ask him to meet with me again. Lord, will you revive me again? Lord God, I can't do it in my strength. But Heavenly Father, you're mightier than anybody. Lord God, will you empower me to take another step? And after taking that step, take another step. And after taking that step, take another step. Oh, can I tell you? Psalms chapter 85, verse 6, verse 8 tells us, sets a great example. It says, what? Thou shalt not receive, revive us again, that thou people may rejoice in thee. Show us thy mercy O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. Oh, people of this church, wouldn't it be a great thing when trouble shows up? Remember what God has done for us in the past. Remember how big and how mighty he was. God just didn't die just for you to come to heaven, and that's it. God died for that relationship with us. For that relationship that grows sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Then all of a sudden, boy, I take my burdens to him. Why? Because I know that he cares. I know that he loves me more than anybody else because he gave himself for me. And because of that, Boy, I ask him, Lord God, will you get me up out of the miry clay? Lord God, will you help me one more time? And then, fourth and finally, I lay, Lord God, if you don't mind, Lord God, if you can get me up, Lord God, I'll surrender to you again. Lord God, please use me again. Lord God, please do something for me again. Lord God, please move in my family's life. Lord God, please move in America again. Lord God, please revive us again. Sometimes you get down. That's fine. That's natural. 
You don't have to stay down. The Bible tells us that we're running a race. And boy, if we're running that race, not only do we need to worry about ourselves, but it's okay to look for others to run beside. It is said you can run much further when you have somebody else running with you than you can running by yourself. Because yourself will become your greatest enemy. You don't need to run today. You're already looking pretty fine. You're looking pretty fine, pretty divine. What do you need to do? You can hit that snooze just a little, just five more minutes. Hey, you don't need to take a shower today. You don't stink. You smell awesome. You smell amazing. It's amazing how we can become our worst enemy. Oh, when we get down and we get discouraged, it can stop us. We're going to be the greatest thing that ever happened. Tell this and we're done. I love the USA. I don't apologize for it. They say, oh, you need to be very cautious of, you know, your nationalism. We don't want to make other countries look bad. I'm like, well, why are they coming here then? I was like, I love the United States of America. I love the freedom and the price that's been paid. I was like, you put the American flag on a roach, and you call it the Olympics, and I'm going to be like, go, baby, go! I mean, I am absolutely USA all the way. I remember watching some of the Olympics. And I remember as I was watching some of the Olympics several years back, it was deemed the race of a lifetime. Most of the time during the Olympics, are working their way up to the Olympics, like the number one runner in the nation will get injured, or the number two runner, and you never have like number one, number two, number three. They're never in the same race in the finals. But this time, everybody was there from one to five. Boy, everybody was there. Everybody was in their prime. Boy, they were from all over the place. Boy, from Britain, from Australia. Boy, from <clears throat> Brazil. Everybody was there. They were all ready to go. Boy, everybody was excited. You saw them there on the blocks. Boy, they had shook it off. Boy, they had done everything, all their pregame rituals, and all of a sudden, boy, they're in the blocks. Everybody's excited. A hush actually came to the crowd. Boy, you're there like, whoo, let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. Give it all you got. Let's go. Let's go. Represent Team USA. All of a sudden, you hear the gun. Fire. Boop. Boy, they came out of the blocks. And they came out of the box. Boy, you saw them. Everybody's going, 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 going. All of a sudden, they come across the corner, and they're down the stretch, and everybody begin to kick it in. Boy, they call it the last kick. All of a sudden, boy, they begin to kick it in, and you see one of the guys who was one of the favorites. All of a sudden, boy, boom, it looked like somebody shot him from the back. All of a sudden, he grabbed his, his hamstring, and it took him down to the ground, and everybody was cheering for the winner. You saw the winner go by. You saw the second winner, and you saw this other guy down, and he's down, and he's just... In agony, he's just, ah! he's just screaming. He, every time he goes to take a step, the hamstring fails on him. And doctors are trying to come there. But if doctors come up to you, they will DQ you, which will disqualify you. So he kept, get away, get away, no, get away, get away. And all of a sudden, you see a man come running out of the crowd. And the man come running out of the crowd. Little did we know that was his dad. And all of a sudden, he turned to his dad, and he went to go mush him away. And he saw that it was his dad. He saw that it was someone 
who loved him and who had helped him and who had trained him and who was by his side the whole time. And you just saw him put his arms around his dad and he just began to cry out to his dad and his dad whispered to him, he's like, son, you don't have to run this by yourself. He's like, but son, I'll help you finish if you just allow me to help you. Boy, he put his arms around his dad and another guy came and his dad was like, mm, like pointing, like gave him that look. If you don't watch it. Well, and all of a sudden the man was like, okay. And all of a sudden everybody began to realize what was happening. And boy, the, the guy, he was limping and he was going, but he was finishing the race. Everybody else normally quits. They normally walk off, but he kept finishing. Even though he was hurting, even though he was down, even though he was discouraged, all of a sudden, he's probably from here to the finish line, and everybody's on their feet, and everybody's standing and yelling and applauding. It was to the point where they were yelling and applauding more for him than they were the people who finished first, second, and third. Why? Because he was down. But he got up. He allowed someone else to help him finish the race. I wonder when the Bible talks about those cloud of witnesses. Boy, who has been there, done that, and now they're in heaven. They finished their race. And they're like, just keep going. Just keep going. Just get up. Just get up. Keep serving God. Hey, you don't know what God has on the, around the other corner. Just keep going. Don't get down. Hey, when you do get down, boy, get up. Get up. Don't let it keep you there. Hey, trust God. Hey, depend on God. Hey, he's bigger than your problems. Hey, he's bigger than everything else in life. Just give it to him and re-up and keep serving him. Well, it would be a great thing in America if we learn to do that. So what? You were done wrong. Forgive. Move on. Boy, if God's people would just do what God said, we'd be okay. Joseph of Israel, knuckleheads. Right there at the promised land. Literally right there. And they're still murmuring and complaining. And God has taken them through the Red Sea. He's done all these great and mighty things. One can turn that to our life. God has brought us through a lot. God has brought us from that sinful nature and given us blessed hope. When we get down, we don't have to stay there. We can realize that God loves us. We can realize that he cares for us. And we can realize that he can use us again. Simply just don't quit. Oftentimes, God sends his people to answer our prayers. Lord God, I need help with this. And someone will be like, hey, brother, do you need help? Don't let your pride be like, I don't need no help. I don't need no help. Pastor may be like, hey, is there something wrong? You need to put this in the notes. Is there something wrong? See, you guys have been missing out. See, you guys haven't been faithful the way that you should be. What is he trying to do? He's trying to help you run your race. He's trying to help you finish. God wants us all to finish. Tonight, don't let your problems, your trials, your burdens keep you from doing what God wants you to do. We all get down, but now it's time to get up and let God use us again. 
this area needs somebody to love them. You know there's kids here in this area who never hears I love you. You know there's kids here, they hear more cursing in their household than they have somebody that loves them. Who's going to reach that area that nobody wants to go in? Which church is going to be that church that says, hey, I will sacrifice and we will be the one to reach that area. It's not going to do it if you don't do it. It's not going to work if you don't work. If God truly loves everybody, red, yellow, black, and white, we all are precious in his sight. It's time we start living that way. Somebody walked across the street to help us. We need to start doing the same thing, helping somebody else get on their feet and helping them run their race for the Lord. Heavenly Father, we sure do thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Heavenly Father, we do get down. We do get discouraged. But, Lord God, may we get back up and may we keep fighting. Maybe some of you are discouraged and down. When Pastor comes here in a second, may you go to an old-fashioned altar and ask God to re-up and use you again. He will, because he's faithful. Pastor.